The Hit Mix 107.5 FM The Power Station with Colin Curtis
no better introduction than that. It's it's Friday night and we're here for four hours, eight o'clock till twelve. And uh, introducing in the style of the music that you're going to be hearing tonight, uh, kind of pre-Northern Soul. I mean, it's um, that period where we, we were all learning. We were kids, we were learning. We had no idea where it was going to go. And uh, this is the way it went. So I wanted to do a show like this. I've done a couple of shows with Tim. We did a, 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 well, a tribute show, of course, to Keith Minchel, and we did a, a Blackpool, Mecca and Wigan thing, which went very well, and we'll do another one, uh, maybe in uh, maybe in sort of December time, uh, and take us up to Christmas. But this, uh, this guy I've got in the studio with me tonight, um, I first met him when he was actually the DJ downstairs at the Bally High in Tiffany's. Uh, was it Crystal Ballroom at that point, or it was, was it called the Gold Mine? Welcome along, John Murphy. <laughs> it was called the gold mine. It was the gold mine. The base of the of Tiff's or the crystal, yeah. which we call the Balai, was called the gold mine. Wow! And that would have been what? When 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 did you start there? What year did you start there? Sixty eight to sixty nine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was yeah sixty sixty eight. Um, yes, uh, because I, I remember when when they asked me to sign the paperwork, uh, I would have been. Uh, Coming up sixteen, but not sixteen. <laughs> he told me that I have to put, <laughs> I'd have to push the year back and forward. Um, back in those early days, when Ernie Shaw, of course, was the manager. Was Ernie Shaw the manager when he first yeah, started? Yeah, And how did was. you get recruited to do uh, the gold mine downstairs in in the? Well, it would have been the Crystal Ballroom because I think the name changed to Bally High when the Tiffany's upgrade came. It did, but uh, just prior to that. Um, I used to go and carry me records with me everywhere I went. And Dougie Mountford was the DJ at the time. And I said to Dougie, put this on. Just like you did in the youth club. Yep. <laughs> so it was Mecca. And he would, I was lending him records to play. Yeah, yeah. And people were picking it up and they were, they were sort of making a move or two on the floor. So eventually, Dougie put my name forward to uh, Mr. West. Okay. And uh, he said, yeah, come and have half an hour. Try half an hour. And it progressed from that. And then you came along... And we both shared a, a box of records with 30 records in. Played them about five times a night. Yes. Yeah, them were the days. I mean, you, yeah, you get, you get your, your plastic 50 record box from Woolworths or something similar, Blaney's or whichever the record yeah. shop was. Yeah. Uh, you got Sherwin's or Hanley. You got you know, a variety of options, but it was pretty much the same box. And as you say, 20, 30 records in them days. That's because, all. Because accessing... Um, soul music at that point and, and, and the knowledge on soul music at that point was still very much in its infancy, would you say? Oh, absolutely. It was coming from, uh, as far as I know, Radio Luxembourg, Caroline and uh, American forces overseas. 100% agree with you. I mean, I, my um, my grandfather, who lived in Maidley at the time, whenever I used to go and stay with him, he got one of the old Bush um, radios with all the uh, all the markings on Reykjavik and Russia, Iraq, yeah. and, and and I started sticking on um, with sellotape and a piece of paper, Radio Caroline, Radio England, Radio London. Right. You know all those <coughs> because that was where I was hearing this music. Not 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 on mainstream radio. No, no, no. Nobody was playing it because what you've also just said, and and this happened to me later in life with with. Uh, intercepting records that were heading to the Air Force bases. Um, happened to me again in the 70s, but at, at this point, Radio Caroline started to get uh, intercept, if you will, uh, the American records that were heading for the bases, and Radio Caroline was one of the first... Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, well, Tony Blackburn, all those early DJs, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, had access to this music at that But point. we didn't have access to buy them. No. Nowhere, no, nowhere. No. Uh, and and we were, it was hidden from us, the fact that a lot of them were, were released on 
British labels. That's right. We never knew. No. No, because when, when, when you go back, um, and I've seen online tonight, um, a 1966 release, which is Bobby Sheen, uh, Dr. Love, which uh, I think I got the promo copy out of the Torch uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, box um, with a raffle ticket stuck on it, and it would have been written in the book on the same number. But that, that, was, a, that was a promo version, but tonight I've seen you know, the Discotheque series, the actual release. That was 1966. I mean, I, I, I wasn't hearing records like Bobby Sheen in 1966, and, and I don't know who was promoting him, but it wasn't working. No. <laughs> No. Uh, yeah, we didn't, as you say, we didn't get the option. And you, you, you couldn't really go into a shop at that point, uh, you know, and order records. I think when, when we moved to Kidsgrove in 68 and, and I got to know Keith um, in Steele's Records, that's what we started to do. Because in those days you had this open-out pamphlet that you could order records from. Yes. And we started to do that. And what we, what we discovered quickly is that we could also order records that were technically deleted. But we're still in stock at the, at the distributor. The, the same as when Black Music came out, and um, uh, what was it? Was it the Echo Music Echo? Well, Blues and Soul was the first one, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Home of the Soul, actually. Yeah. Uh, home with yes, home home of the blues turned into Blues and Soul. Yes. And I, mean, I mean, I think the first one I ordered in in from the newsagent who, who who looked at me strangely when I ordered it um, in, on on Market Street in Kidsgrove and the newsagent that was 1968. I think it was uh, Steve Cropper and the Booker T and the MGs on the front. Wow. Of the, on wow. The, I don't know what's on the front of mine, but <laughs> I, I've got a big wadge of them somewhere. Yes. Yes. But I mean, uh, as you say, that was that was like a, a connection for for people like us. You couldn't believe. I mean, you couldn't believe that something like that. Well, well, I grew up from my sister used to play a lot of rock and roll, which led into R and B, and it was Sam Cooke and some obscure. I can't remember the names, and I just took it. You know, I, I loved it. A completely different sound, and we're going to do a little bit of that now. And with John Murphy, it's Colin Curtis. It's uh, we're looking back at the history of early Northern Soul, if you will.
minutes by, well, nearly 24 minutes past eight, and uh, this is Colin Curtis with my very special guest tonight, Mr. John Murphy, uh, ex-DJ at uh, Tiffany's, uh, the gold mine downstairs in the old, um, what was then the Crystal Ballroom, and um, we're talking about the period where everybody was kind of learning, nobody knew where this was going to go at the time, there's no doubt about that, but um, there was a lot of guys who started to collect records who were very eager to uh, to get that knowledge, and John was certainly one of those guys. Uh, we kicked off there with a record from 1965, it wasn't 66 as I saw it spinning, <coughs> that was Zoop Money and the big roll band, big time operator on Columbia, and what... How did that come into your life? I don't mean the record itself, but hearing it for the first time and reacting to it. I love it. It's a big band sound, but it's got soul. Yeah. And and, and you liken that to Georgie Fame. I mean, yeah, you, yeah. So much like Georgie you, Fame. You know, when, when you look back at some of those early acts that were doing the rounds with, like, you know, the Gino Washingtons, the Oscar Turner Juniors, and, yep, yep. and people like that. Uh, you yeah, have Zoop Money, and all, very much Georgie Fame was very much on, you know, on that circle of Correct. people who yep. would come around and do yep, that. Yeah. And then uh, the second is from one of my favourite labels from the 60s, and it, it did evolve in 1968, and I'm just saying to John Off-Air, we weren't totally aware that these records uh, had already been released in uh, America, but looking at this now, and I didn't look at this in the same way at the time, but um, that's Roy Lee Johnson on action, and, and that was, a, looks like, about the 18th release. I don't think it was that far in, but it, it's got a number 18 uh, as the back two digits. Uh, Roy Lee Johnson and his band, and uh, Wendell Parker on the production, and, and again, you, like me, you must have just started to collect that label, because... Uh, it just attracts me. I can't help it, and I know it's going to be good. Because we had Competition Ain't Nothing, and, you know, I mean, all, all them fantastic... Uh, Mini, mini Epperson, grab yep. your clothes and get on out. I mm. mean, these are fantastic records. And, and I mean, in more recent years, and I say more recent, <laughs> 20, 30 years, um, of course, the Rubaye, uh, Omar Khayyam, has become very popular, and The Showman, yeah. Our Love Is Gonna Grow, yes, on yes, that label. Yes. Yeah, at the, at the time they were originally released, they weren't the records that kind of broke out, because the sound you've got on, on the Roy Lee Johnson was very much the sound you were playing. Yeah, it was the in-sound. Yeah, that in-sound, because, uh, I mean, first coming and, and listening to you, DJ, back in those days, I mean, it would definitely be, and we just finished on one of those, which is Cliff Nobles, but we were all kind of tied with Atlantic and Stacks, so you would play Memphis Soul Stew, yeah. I remember you playing that. Oh, God, yes. Um, Socket to him, JB, yep. would, would be regular. Funky Street with the, the clapping. Yep. You know, I mean, they were the, the, the connecting records, and I mean, would would you say at that point you were playing a, a few Motown records? I mean, I, no, no, Play, that, never that, played any Motown. No, there you go. It was out of order to play Motown. Yes, and it uh, was charted <laughs> and commercial. You know, it was a downer. It's, it's great to hear that because you know I sat in. Um, I said about Piltown weekend just gone and and watched two DJs. I'm not, not going to name them. But two, you know, rep, DJs with huge reputations dropping things like Stone Love by um, the Supremes. Now, for me, and Time, Edwin Starr, now, these records, exactly what you've just said, these were not underground records. No. These were commercial hits, mm. uh, made the charts, did the whole thing. But I think we're at that point now, 50 years on with what became Northern Soul, that you've got, you know, I don't it's know how many generations... Yes. I think it's become an acceptance. It's, it's, all, it's almost become... Because there's nothing left, I No, think. it's almost become like the, the mousetrap. It's become like a play. Yes. Uh, where you come along and, and you hear these records, but those records weren't part of the original Northern Soul. No, no, no. no, no you totally frowned upon. If you played one, you'd clear the floor. Yes. 
and, and Cliff Nobles. I mean, on the Direction label, and we go back to that, I remember 1968 was, would have been, of course, uh, Slider Family Stone. Yep, on the same label, uh, yeah. To the music, we had Bandwagon. Yep. Uh, breaking Down the Walls of Heartache, and uh, you, you were very much... Um, on the case back in those days, and your connection, what was your first connection with soul music, and and, and I know you, you, you've, you've <coughs> confirmed tonight the scooter side of it, so just fill us in a little bit on, on how you connected, you know, the scootering, because, you know, I saw, I saw that. Well, the scooter scene didn't involve uh, Northern Soul at all. Didn't involve Northern Soul. That, I think that happened in the mid-70s. Uh, well, well, we we I, happened I, to have a scooter, but it wasn't related to... You know, you could listen to Steppenwolf or Led Zeppelin yes. and still have yes. a scooter. Yes, and and and, and <coughs> I, I, I lived in uh, Bigland uh, locally, and people will know that. But uh, Bigland and Audley, and we had a, we had a guy in the village uh, who was very much connected with the scooter thing, with all, all the mirrors, all the all the foxes' tails, whatever, hanging off. Um, but he was very much attached to Atlantic and Stacks. Okay, but. but a mod, what, you were, a, mod yeah, a mod scene, yeah. yeah. You and and when I first went to the torch, which was the first time I went there was 1968. It was very much about Ben Sherman. It's very much about the. It's very much about that look. Yes. Um, and the sweaters, um, you know, the fair isles, all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah. I mean, it was very much about that look, and and that was you back then. I remember that. You know, the oh, jeans, the boots. Most, the, oh no, jeans weren't allowed in Mecca with jeans on. Not allowed. Or pumped. No, but you, you used to wear jeans oh, with the, the braces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course yeah. I did, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, the Ben Shermans. But no, me, me, I, I remember, in fact, uh, you know, the routine in Mecca was that you'd, we'd all line up as the staff and all be checked when... when uh, the the DJs got, could get away with not doing that, really, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was funny. It was like being on board a ship and everybody had to be yeah, checked. Yeah, very much so, yeah. because they did it in the main ballroom in, yeah. in, in, in yeah, Tiffany's and them days, all lined up, yeah. Checking and, the and, seams uh, in the ties for women and, and, and doing it. blokes putting the ties on, yeah. The 1960s, that's what this is about, and we continue.
Three more records that were very much a part of, uh, well, whether it was the gold mine, whether it was Tiffany's, whatever it was, and also the torch we're going to talk about. I mean, I want this to, uh, you know, include what was going on locally, and not many people know more about that than yourself, John. Um, but I, just stopping those three records and bringing back memories of, of, of like Stoke on Track, and, and what we talked about before, 60 Minutes of Your Love, um, I bought um, when I was living in Kitchell with Keith. Um, I wasn't living with him, but... <laughs> Up the road, uh, 60 minutes of your love. I bought on minute, and on the other side was a lot of love. Yeah, what I didn't know is that both records had previously been released at that time. I didn't know that both records had been released on minute. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, on liberty in the yes. UK. Yeah, and I think that that you know just adds to the picture that we've painted that that you couldn't just walk in the record shop and buy these records, it didn't happen like that. Well, you didn't you didn't know the title anyway. You no. buy them on Caroline, you didn't catch you knew the tune, but you didn't yes. catch the title or the artist. And oh, that, that was great, you know, great, that, great. That great. was the same in the early days of the torch. I mean, stuff like, you know, hearing, of course, like Chubby Checker, everything's wrong and things like that. And even at the discotheque, um, you know, you're hearing them for the first time. Sometimes the lyrics, you could, you could pick off a title and sometimes you'd be a million miles off, yep. off the target. And then we dropped Bobby Wells, which for me was a big part of my life. I mean, it was a fantastic record. Um, you know, we'd obviously had uh, nothing but Harris Party on that label, but again, Beacon, like Action, became a record, a record, fantastic record mm -hmm. in the UK, uh, releasing some incredible stuff. And for me, that was always a torch record because, you know, that's where uh, I first heard it, which was 68, along with Sly and the Family Stone, Dance to the Music, and everything else that came out. It was a phenomenal year. And then... Uh, that record I've just played is one you used to play down at, uh, at whatever it was. Uh, we call it uh, we'll call it the Bali High now. Yeah. Uh, but that was uh, Fifth Dimension, so I can keep on moving and sounding just as good today as it did all yeah, those years ago. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I don't want you to play too often. I don't want them to get too popular. I, I like to keep them <laughs> underground. But I, I, I think that would, you know that was part of the original vibe, wasn't it? Though yeah. I mean, you know, the original people come in. I mean, you built a crowd up there. Uh, memory serves me right. It was Thursdays and Sundays. The Sundays just got out of control and just became super busy. Five hundred people plus. Yeah, yeah. And 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 sometimes six o'clock starts. People yeah. people down Trentham Gardens to start with. But for you, so. What, what was your connection with Soul and where were the first places you went and at what point did your DJ got plenty there for you? Whoa, whoa. Well, as an amateur DJ, let's say a youth club DJ, I'd say I took uh, four or five records in a, in a brown paper bag down to the local youth club. And where and, was that? And the first one was uh, All Saints Youth Club, which is in... Oak Hill, virtually, West End. Okay, yeah, West End. Uh, back, that, was, that was the name I always banded about, but I never went there. And uh, a lady used to run the place, and we were allowed to use, uh, underneath the stage, we made it into a little mini discotheque, shall we call it. Okay. But only, only having a few sounds, I used to have to put up with the likes of All Right Now and bits and bobs like that. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice music, but not my style. No, <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Yes, uh, but I mean that—that that was that was the mixture back then in, in a lot of places. I mean, you know, to, to, to kind of edge soul through the door. Oh, yeah, you, you'd hear Tony Joe White poke Saladan. You know, you, as you say, you'd certainly hear Free Mongo Jerry. <laughs> all, yeah, all the yeah. rest of it, yeah. and 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 that 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 was. Uh, you know, being able to play soul records along with them was, was kind of introducing them to people. Yeah, it? and uh, we, we had the discrimination there between white and black soul, which didn't mean anything to us. All, all we were concerned in, concerned with was, could we dance to it? Yeah. It wasn't the matter of a label or a cost of the record or whatever. Could we, 
moved to it, and that was about the only reason we liked the music. Records, I mean, you would find some cheaper, but obviously most records were about, about six and eight pence for a long time. Uh, most sold in new releases, um, which equates, I suppose, to what we're doing for about 30 pence, really, nowadays. Well, well four and a ton of my yeah. first ones. Were they? Yeah. <laughs> Preceding that. Um, but then you've you've started collecting a few <coughs> records and, and, and building that up. And, I mean, did, did you become a mobile DJ before you went to work at uh, for Mecca? Um, yes, we, we did uh, a couple of local pubs, as we could call them, um, which was ended up in riots every Saturday night, but <laughs> it was good. We never got involved in it. It was just great. Great, you know, we got away with playing virtually any reggae and any what we call soul music, uh, music we'll call it, because it was whatever they would dance to. It wasn't run-of-the-mill chart stuff. It was, uh, let's say, outside of that. And people wanted more of that because they could pick up Radio 1, well, it wasn't even existing then, the BBC. Yeah. And you were just fed with whatever they thought was appropriate. Yes. So, I think, I, th I think you know, we've talked about this before on air with people, and, and I think that um, all of a sudden people who didn't want to go out and have a fight on a Saturday night or didn't want to go out and get completely drunk and, and did enjoy hearing these different records. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, soul and R&B at that time was, was very exciting to listen yes, to and, yes. and a lot more exciting than uh, most of the stuff that was in the charts. And I think also belonging to something like that helped helped it develop into, you know, what became a soul scene at that point. I mean, yep, nobody yep. talked about Northern Soul in them days. There wasn't... There, there was no, no such, such thing phrase. until... No. No. Well, 1968, he coined the phrase in his shop to distinguish between northern and southern types of record. Yeah. But I, I, don't, I don't think that really took a hold till probably the early 70s as, as, no, as, as, no, as being connected. It wasn't announced till the 70s, no. 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 But, but you're right, he did. I mean, I, mean <coughs> I spoke to Dave about it. I also spoke to David Nathan. I've done about 10 hours of interviews with David Nathan. And um, he has some fantastic memories from those Soul City. And, mm -hmm. but, but it was coined because it was the people coming down from the north going to football matches in London. Uh, and buying and records. That's right. Yeah. And so they would, and, and yeah, I remember Dave, the way he equated it to me was, they'd have some people working in the shop, and if Dave was in the shop, they'd come to the counter and they'd say, oh, that boys are from Manchester. And Dave would intervene and say, yeah, they'll want that northern sound, which is faster than what's being played. That's, that's what, is, that's, that's the uh, tribute to Dave Godin, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And now you, you you've talked off air about <clears throat> about another club that started in Stoke. Tell tell me a little bit about the Starlight Club in Stoke. Um, how did that come about? Uh, I've no idea how it came about. Um, it just sort of happened. Uh, a couple of guys from Longton were were DJing. Uh, Johns, uh, and I, I remember his mate handing him records. Um, Udder, I don't really know his proper name, but. One used to have the records and pass them over, and I think they started with just one deck. They didn't play two. A, a, have two a lot decks. of us did. I mean, when Keith and I used to do um, kids' club youth club, there was a deck in the cupboard, and it had to stay in the cupboard. And so Keith would send me out to see if anyone was dancing yeah. <laughs> from behind the kitchen door. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, you know, most places at that point, including gigs I was doing for uh, Michael Wood and Terry Blood, Victoria Hall, and uh, uh, even Chantum Gardens in the main ballroom at that point, had just one deck. Yeah, mm, uh, mm. I, mean, I mean, I had custom deck built by. Um, uh, it was a hi-fi shop opposite the Theatre Royal in Hanley. And that was the first time we'd, we'd had two Gallo SV25s mounted on... on well, me there. and my mate Dave uh, 
cut a piece of plywood and mounted two decks and it plugged it straight into a 25 watt amplifier and we were DJs. <laughs> <laughs> and that was what? That was around 68, would you say? 68, 69? No. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, moving around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you also you you already touched on this, but I'm going to play some music and music that was played and you know they weren't deliberately underground clubs. They were different at that time, uh, but there was no, as you've already said, there was no blocking off of, of any particular. If, if there was, was no definitive type. That's right. It was just it anything. was development. Yeah. Here we go. Don't argue. 
tracks to like to my delights guest, uh, Mr. John Murphy, and uh, we kicked off there with, uh, yeah, I mean, nowadays you may think that's a little bit odd playing a record like that, but back then it absolutely wasn't odd at all, and uh, Al Capone, of course, by Prince Buster and the All-Stars on Blue Beat, and you waved Ten Commandments at me as well, <laughs> and of course, Wet Dream, Israelites, 007, Bob um, Wire. Barbed Wire, you've got um, Maytels, I mean, Harry J, Liquidator, all yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah, 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 <laughs> The liquidator was huge, absolutely huge, and was played at the torch as well. I mean, pre all nighters, but yep. definitely played at the torch. And then we moved on to a record that became absolutely essential. I mean, in my early days, I mean, records that hit me that I couldn't initially find were Bobby Bland Call on Me, um, you know, and Ice Five of the FBI was another one, which I ended up getting on a Polydor album just, just to own it. Um, you know, I mean, it was just. It just reiterates what, what we said earlier on about it. it wasn't straightforward finding the records. No. It, it was a learning process and, and a learning process for shops as well. You know, being able to order off the catalogue. And then, you know, a real piece, because we had, we had well, James and Bob Purify, Shaker Tailfeather, here we've got Moses and Joshua and Get Out of My Art, but that was, you know, that kind of up-tempo, that excitement yeah, that we yeah. got from from 60s R&B. Bringing in some shapes and some moves, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the difference, and, and you've already touched on this, but you got the the kind of rawness of, of um, Stax and Atlantic compared with the more commercial sound of, of Motown. Yes, yes. Uh, and then you got these things in, in between that, that really fired everybody up and, you know, very much became a part of that. Uh, we talked about the Starlight, and you DJ'd there. Well, how long do you DJ there for? How long uh, does that the last? Starlight, only once. Yeah, my my, my my parents used to go there for the for the ballroom dancing upstairs. Yeah, um, was it Sid and Sid and Edna Duffield? Duffield, Duffield that's yeah, like, yeah, back in the day in Stoke, and they used to call it the Square down there as well. And that, when they moved it into what was now I think a community hall, right? Um, so. Tell us a little bit about Stoke-on-Trent then for you and, and how you ended up at uh, Tiffany's or the Gold. Well, well, just Tiffany's, no, we um, have Scooter, we'll ride. We went everywhere, Staffordshire Public Works Club and the Michelin had a club along the road which was called Cloud Nine, uh, playing our kind of music. Yep. I don't, I'm not saying it was soul, I'm not saying it was pop, but it was what we, we liked. It was yeah. obscure, not, not played on the chart stuff, you know, and... Uh, um, uh, where, can I, where else can we say we're moving a field to Nantwich? Did, did you ever go church. to the Yeoman? Did you ever go to Always the, the Birdcage? In fact, I bought the favourite record from the Yeoman to play tonight. With whoever Brilliant. whoever yeah. went to the Yeoman will know that record. Well, Keith, yeah, Keith Mitchell will be very pleased to hear that record, I'll tell you, because, you know, I've been in clubs where he's played it two or three times straight forward, particularly if he was down about something, that was yeah. the record. When you see him, will you tell him he owes, he owes me 18 quid? Yes, I will, oh, I will see him, thanks. yeah, yeah. I don't think he'll care. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I will tell him. I don't think... He won't admit it. <laughs> I do go and see him quite regularly. Can, yeah. can I just do a dedication call? Of course please? you can, yeah. yeah. I've, got, I've got a thing here. Uh, obviously, this won't happen again, um, the situation where we're talking about the history of soul in Stoke. So I'd like to dedicate some references from Tim, Tim Dodson, Dave Stevenson. I know you're listening tonight. Keithy Beardmore in Spain, yeah. And Chris Williams, he's got a gig, but he's hoping to back it up uh, later in the week. And, of course, Ray Pierce, I'm repairing your scooter as we talk, Ray. Thank you. 
But, yeah, well, all those guys, obviously, um, and there was, uh, what was his name? They're all young. Somebody, They're all over over 20. Somebody Rushton, he used to have the braided blazer. Anthony Rushton. Tim would have a braided blazer. Anthony Rushton used to DJ at the West End with me. There you go. And now he's he's taking people out in a fishing boat in Is he? Morecambe, yeah. And, well, and, and, and then he started to date a girl um, from Blackpool. Yes, um, he did. We used to stay at her mother's hotel, Mrs. Thompson's hotel on the front there. And, uh, yeah, that was all tied together. It was, Mr. yeah. Rushton, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good time. We, we used to go to Blackpool in his car, and we thought, we've well, got some money, this guy. And uh, what it was, it was his neighbours. And, and his neighbour didn't use it on a Saturday night, so he used to hotwire it, disconnect the speedo, put a gallon or two of petrol in, and... About six of it would go up to Blackpool Mecca in it and back. A gallon or two of petrol in them days would probably do that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and be affordable, no, yes. unlike today. That's right. Uh, absolute nightmare. But we, we've, we, we've, we've gone on that. So now, you, you, you know, you're DJing every Thursday, every Sunday at, uh, at the, in the Valley High. Uh, the crowd's building up there. Um, tell me how you connected with... Uh, Blackpool Mecca, because you started to run coaches to Blackpool Mecca. Uh, yeah, Mr. West, the assistant manager, um, was talking to me about how uh, I had been up to Mecca, and obviously I had been a few times, and he said, uh, well, well, we'll run a coach, we'll, we'll get a coach organised, and I did. I think I ran, a, I ran about ten, maybe, once a month, um, so about a year, I'm guessing about 71, 72. Yep, yep. Um, and uh, it was good. It, then it, it seemed to drop off a little bit with uh, certain things in the scene got a little bit political, which I don't want to know and I don't want to discuss. I'm only here for the music. No, there's, there's, there's nothing to discuss, but you're right. I mean, I mean, there was a period where, where things had started to change and then eventually... Um, you know, the, the same as when they twisted wheel, um, in, in, you know, late 60s, 70 uh, and, and 71, but, you know, the opportunity to do an all-nighter, which, which Chris Burton always thought that, you know, he wouldn't get a licence, you know, wouldn't be that successful because of the, you know, the geography of where the torch was, but, that, you know, that actually happened. Um, and, and really, the Mecca went through that phase, um, you know, where... where things were changing, moving about, and it was closed down really by the torch all-nighters because... Even Tony Jeb uh, was running a coach down after the Mecca. Mm -hmm. He used to leave, I think, at one o'clock and, and whoever else would, would finish off the records, uh, you know, to get that coach down. And, and all-nighters have al always had this connection with, you know, big audiences, you yeah. know, once they become popular. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and Complete escapism. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and, and and you can do that, and eventually, as the scene developed, of course, you could then escape to an all day the next day. <laughs> if you can stay awake. <laughs> if you can keep it going that yeah, long. But yeah. we'll play some more music, then we'll come back with John. Plenty of old people to talk about, plenty of local characters as well, um, but we're sticking with 1960s classy soul music.
that was originally out on London and it's a, a it re-release from America. Pick that little foot. Yes. Round on. That's live radio. We can talk as well. Three tunes together and just a few memories from me. Um, first one, of course, with Sweet Love in the Platters, um, which we kicked off, I think, in, uh, it was Clough Hall Youth Club in Kizzygrove. Um, but, of course, infiltrated everywhere. That was one of the slightly easier records to be able to order from a record shop. Um, and then uh, Gene Chandler, nothing can stop me. And uh, as you've pointed out, of our John, all the, all the influences in there, of Curtis Mayfield, just sounding, just the structure of Absolutely, the songs yeah, and the delivery. Fantastic. And um, we then finished with Helena Ferguson, which, which nowadays, as you said, again, off air, uh, you know, not a well known record, but played along alongside things like Ma uh, Lorenzo Manley and uh, one I've shown you tonight, uh, Junior Parker, uh, at the Torch prior to the All Nighters, and, and very much records uh, like Johnny R, the champ, very much records that were championed and collected by a friend of both of ours, Mr. Bob Morris. Mm. Um, tell me a little bit about. You hooking together with Bob because I know you, you, oh, you worked together with Bob. years and years ago. Bob, Bob, I don't know how he got the position, but um, he DJ down at uh, what we'll call the shed at Trentham Gardens. It was an, a, a little alleyway you went down from the main ballroom, like a, a it was like a, um, an aircraft runway entrance. You just think, well, I've got to get my bags down. There. It was a slope down left. And then it opened out into quite a nice area. Uh, Bob was on, I got a picture of Bob that I've put on Facebook some time ago, um, behind the decks with Charlie Chaplin painted, or photographed, sorry, printed onto the front. A lot of gruesome pictures in that place. But it was where we met. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd take records down and we'd do what we're doing here. Um, maybe no one in on one night. Maybe two people. Yeah, yeah. And it, it gradually picked up and picked up. Saturday nights, uh, it was an overflow. And then when they realised what music was being played, they walked out. Yes. It left all the purists there, yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, again, uh, a complete eclectic mix of records from reggae, ska, blues, R&B, soul, Motown. And it played and people loved it, you yeah. know. And you pick the best ones for yourself. Think I'll I'll get that you know I'll get that record, and and and, and Bob Bob was somebody that you could learn from as well because he did his own collection. He, 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 he was very independent. Uh, you know, he liked to find his own stuff. He, he introduced did. me to uh, Reddington's records in, in, in Birmingham, Birmingham yeah, the first Reddington's time. The chaos. Records, yeah. So I mean, what what about record what, what about record shops in Stoke on Trent? Where where would you go back in those days? For Northern Soul or for Soul? Well, just for, for Soul. Just, uh, no. Well, we used Lonnie's in Stoke. Yep. He was a great guy. Sherwin's, obviously. I picked up a... Uh, and then Keith Beardmore online has, has mentioned Sherwin's and, yeah, and I've mentioned it on previous shows. The, 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 the listening booths downstairs are just, uh, just absolutely fantastic. There was a box yeah. with demonstration discs of Queen of Fools in. And yes. I, I, only, I only bought yeah. one. Yep. And there was about four or five more left in there. I only yeah. bought one. Yeah, Keith only bought one. I don't know why. <laughs> on uh, maybe there was only one left when he got there. Ah, oh, maybe. Well, you got that. You got um, Rediffusion used to sell records in Hanley. The, the, Woolies. 
Woolworths. For some is, reason, yeah, Woolworths had loads of American imports. Well, you've, you, ten you, pence. you've mentioned Lorenzo Manley, which you picked up there. I picked up um, Never For Me, The Millionaires. Yep. I picked up uh, Otis LaVille, did a bit You're of the one, Ronnie on Walker. Blue, Ronnie Walker. Yeah. Um, and there, there was always a lot of. Uh, uh, the Monitors album from there, um, Elgin singles. There was a lot of uh, kind of Tamler and Gordy and things like that. Bob and Earl being there, yeah. On absolutely. B and C. Yeah, yeah. Music, music for pleasure. Music for pleasure combination, yeah, yeah. Which, which were the, yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, some of the albums you brought in tonight, I mean, that, 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 those handful of albums you would see in pretty much every record shop, that, that they were kind of represented solely at that point because hardly anybody imported albums. And, no. and one you pulled out there earlier, which of course has got Tell Me It's Just a Rumor on, which is a British release on Starline of tracks that had never been issued by Motown in the UK Correct. at that point. Yeah. yeah. Which is incredible when you look back at it. I yeah. mean, because the album, the American album, had come out, I think, one or two years before the Starline. You know, I condemned, I condemned that once I heard it had come out on Motown. It was condemned. It'd never <laughs> play it again. Which <laughs> a better recording, anyway. Yes, uh, well, uh, I, I think I think you know a lot of British recordings and, and people you know like to collect the UK versions nowadays because I think the quality yes uh, was definitely better it, than it, the imports. It, it was, uh, and a lot of the imports that were on Styrian as well would suffer yes. difficulties. Vinyl instead of Styrian every sound. time. Yeah, yeah, we continue three more choices from John Murphy. You're Colin Curtis and John Murphy. This is kind of looking back at uh, the heritage of beginning really and development of uh, soul in the clubs in Stoke on Trent, particularly. But we will expand. 21.13 and uh, more music coming your way.
go. You're getting a kind of picture of uh, you know what was going on. Like, developing soul along with a little bit of reggae, a little bit of ska, uh, and also a little bit of roughness as well. I mean, we, we had a little bit of that there. And of course, um, the first record you played, the Valentinos, that was one that Keith and I used to play um, again, Clough Hall Youth Club initially, um, but that would have been the, uh, the UK Soul City release at the time. And of course, covered by the Rolling Stones, mm. which showed you that connection. Because I mean, the Stones and one or two other bands at the time had got access to American artists because they were starting to bring them in, in particularly into London. Um, but also access to the music because you know they were able to get these and the Stones and the Beatles pinched a lot of black act uh, oh, music yeah. Yeah, yeah. and 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 re-recorded it over here and be, obviously because of their popularity uh, became a lot more popular. Then we went on to Coco Taylor and Wang Dang Doodle. And if we go back to again to Tiffany's, uh, um, if I remember rightly, uh, uh, Fontella Bass, um, Doris Troy were all live acts that that, that, that played there. Yes. Do you remember any more? Tiffs? Yeah. Women or live but acts? All of them. Live oh, acts. Yeah. Sam and Dave? Uh, no, Arthur Conley? No, uh, Sam and Dave never came. They they did the uh, Steam Machine and they did Bailey's. Uh, they didn't do Mecca for some okay. reason, but um, yeah, Jackie Wilson, um, Edwin Starr, Fontella Bass. Um, the real thing. Yes. Uh, you know, I mean, I know what you sent. Um, the real thing, the... Who could we say? There's loads. I've got, I've got posters of them, as you've seen. Um, Brilliant they, posters. They right? uh, and, uh, and you had some of the original posters as well, that were actually back from the day. I did. I did. And signed. Yes, I saw that. I saw Jackie Wilson signed. Oh, well, yeah. signed. All, I got all the posters signed. Um, and uh, I, I remember clearly, um, I was asked to look after the artist. And um, there was a little room behind the rotary stage there was, downstairs. There was. And um, they used to stick them in there until they were ready. And um, Major Lance, um, he said to me, um, have you, what records have you got? And I said, uh, I, I've been asked to bring them all four o'clock in the afternoon uh, and play them to your band because they don't know who you are. And he says, yeah. He said, uh, I'm, I'm going to go through them for an hour. We're not open yet for another half an hour. So... Well, I'll go through the, the the good ones with them. Uh, what what shall I what what shall I sing? I said well, I don't know what you should sing. Whatever. Anyway, um, he did the classic six ums and monkey time and uh, rhythm and a few other bits and bobs. And um, he didn't he didn't go in to investigate because he cut that live up at the torch two nights later. Well, one night later he did it on a Friday night. And um, what he did say to me he said. Uh, um, Mr. West said, uh, I can have a drink. And I said, okay, okay, wh what would you like? <laughs> and uh, he sent me across to the bar, and um, I came back with a bottle of brandy and a glass. Yes. Um, just to warm his vocal cords, he said. Yeah, but that, that, that's, that's almost an identical story to, as you said, the all-nighter at the torch, because um, Chris asked me to come through because he, he, he was concerned that he didn't know the words and the lyrics to You Don't Want Me No More. Mm. Uh, and we, he, obviously we'd explain to him how popular it was and he's got to do it. The band had, do, had done their best to, to, to eke it out. And um, uh, he, Chris said, well, you know, what will help him? I said, well, I've been talking to him now for 10 minutes and he needs a drink. And, and, and that was the same there, but it was whiskey on this occasion. And he must have, he must have drunk 
well over a third before he went on stage yes. and I escorted yeah, him yeah. down the back and then onto the stage and then of course Martin Ellis introduced him famously and um, yeah I, I mean it, it, it was that I, th I think it must have been massively nerve-wracking because he'd, he'd had all the exposure in America and that had all kind of gone away and then all of a sudden he's having to reinvent himself and, and he admitted and, and you've just touched on a track there called Investigate that um, he'd, he'd never sung these tracks live before he'd never he'd never done them anywhere and you know they've become popular on what was the burgeoning nor northern soul scene and going back to uh, acts coming in I mean uh, Jackie Wilson, I remember Jed Skelly, local guy, friend of mine for many, many years. Uh, he, he, he took all his Jackie Wilson singles, and Jackie took the time to sign every single one of them. And uh, in that area that you're talking about, just behind the stage, I used to like bringing the Thunderbirds on, then pressing the button again and spinning them around once, one, one, <laughs> one, one more time, like, like an encore. So... The Mecca coaches now have started to go. Where did you go from there? Where did you personally go from there? You've been taking coaches to the Mecca, um, you know, at this, well, that would have been just before and during the Torchall Night, as I would think. Yes, just as, uh, we used to, when we drove back from uh, Blackpool, we'd arrive back outside the Torch. Uh, it would be around about mm, two o'clock, three o'clock then. Yeah, maybe. We something had a coffee, and you didn't need to go in because you could hear everything yeah. from on the street. <laughs> in the street, know. yeah. Why, why, why pay again? You know, why, why pay to go in? But uh, yeah, uh, other than that, we went um, seeking soul. Whitchurch, Nantwich, uh, Stafford. Um, what, what, was, what was Nantes? Was Blue Orchid in yeah, Derby. Yeah, Blue Orchid in yeah. Derby. Um, did you ever do the Sheffield one? Or was that the Mojo? No, I didn't do the Mojo. Okay. Uh, I think Dave did, my mate. Um, yeah. And Bradford. Um, uh, Leighton. Um, Northampton. Uh, a few started dying off for me then. I think I, I was looking at um, beginning to fall in love. Yes. I was restricting myself as where I could go because I didn't want to take my girlfriend. It was a bit not posh enough for her, if you know. Okay, what I mean. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Work, working, so, working class white people I'm, who like soul music. I right? mean, you never went to the toilet in the torch, <laughs> and you never went to the toilet <laughs> in the wheel. Well, you'd have to hire a canoe to get yes, to the toilet in the torch. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nowadays, obviously, that's, that's a much bigger thing. But that final record you played there, I mean, Walter Jackson, which you, you initially heard down at uh, the, the Yeoman, Yeoman yeah, in yeah. Stafford. Uh, who was DJing down there? Can you remember? There were two guys that used to go to the wheel, and I, I, I did know the names. But was, uh, one, was one Dave Plum? I couldn't tell. No. Okay. I, I think it became a hugely popular record for he, Keith. As they I used to bring there. sounds back from the wheel. Yeah, and play them yeah. at the Omen. Yeah, and and you know you go back to that time with the wheel, Brian Ray, and looking back historically, I mean Brian Forty Five Phillips, um, you know, and all that that kind of. Um, Spotlight, if you will, on the Twisted Wheel had been brought over from Liverpool by a guy called Roger Eagles. Yes. Because uh, he was the the, you know, the main guy who booked all the American action. He was enthusiastic about R&B. And as it went more towards soul, he lost interest yes. uh, in, in what was going on at the wheel. And, and, and it took on its own life. And the all-nighters, and obviously eventually Dave Godin going up there, and the article on that just exploded the scene, as did his article on Blackpool Mecca. Correct. With Tony Jeb. And yes, yes. Exploded the scene. And, and going back to that time, and... You actually got Tony Jeb to come down and play at Tiffany's a few yes. times as well. Yes. 
I think he played about three three Sundays. And was that was that connection via Tom West, or had you contacted yeah. him? Yourself? Yeah, it was through Tom West. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I mean, magical times. And at the, that time, there's no doubt where Tony was. I mean, he he was regarded as the number one soul DJ in yes. the UK. Yes. Um, that well, that was borne out by how good he was, but also borne out by the exposure that that had come by you know via Dave yeah. Godin as the exposure. You know, with a twisted wheel. Um, and that was the connection, really. The magazines, you mentioned Back Echoes earlier on as well, which was a little bit later. But Blues and Soul what was, was the only kind of... It was the only kind of Bible that you could refer to. And, apart, and apart from record sellers who would send you a list out every week or every fortnight, and they'd make their own little chart, which was the best sellers, you know. Yes, and and, 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 and obviously more inputs are creeping into to, to companies like Record Corner. Um... Uh, did you ever buy off FL Moore and Leighton Buzzard? Um, yes, I did. And yeah. the guy in Hastings, he moved down, uh, he moved from Hastings to Telford. Or yeah, that's Telford right. Well, that's, yeah, that's what I found at Bernie Williams eventually. And uh, me and Keith had about, about eight copies of All of My Life, Detroit Solo to there. But nice. yeah, I eventually called Oldies Unlimited, but it wasn't called that initially. No, no. Um, it, it was called... Uh, AJ Lewis or something. Yes, like it was. That. It was AJ Lewis. And, you're and, right. And they they were the lists, weren't they? And, and and that was the connection. I mean, for me for me to come home from school and and buy like American imports off off the yeah, lists, or you could buy. I think you could buy twenty five records for fifteen quid. The classic soul pack. Yes. Of course, years later, people have found out they got some incredible records on them because the, the, you know, records that weren't known would get put into the soul packs. I mean, whoever would bring them over, but yeah, you know, I mean, records that were totally unknown and then become popular later. But well, he led yeah. us to believe they're just ex jukebox records, but they've never been played. They're no, all in the birth no, they jukebox records. I mean, that, no. they, you know, that was the. Uh, I think that was their way of dealing with the fact that they got a big hole in the middle and what yes. you play these on. Yes. Big go more music.
instrumentals very much um, very much part of the scene back in the day and that was uh, an absolute classic um well three records from john there and two from me but i kicked off with keep saying you don't love nobody which um charles wright of course on uh, phillips and uh, that was another connection with the Woolworths thing that was one that was in there because yeah. you know, because of the label um and then uh, i finished up with lg reynolds and the penguin breakdown and the other side of that of course is uh, what was it stuffy baby's hurting me yeah yeah um, very topical li uh, uh, lyrics for the time. And then uh, tucked away in the middle, John's three selections. I mean, we kicked off there with um, Little Hank, Mr. Bang Bang Man. What, another one of the records that, um, like Queen of Fools, um, it, it, you know, it, it became a record that, that people would, you know, wanted to hear this record. It was talked about in the magazines and it was connected with clubs, Twisted Wheel or whatever. And uh, uh, again, uh, what was the original label on that? I can't remember. That's uh, it. That, that, that was the original, that the original label, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and then um, we went on to one of Keith, another one of Keith Mitchell's favourites, and not one of mine, but uh, hugely popular at this time. Uh, Round Robin with Kick That Little Foot Sally Ann, which was one of the infamous uh, soul sounds, which uh, mm -hmm. were bootlegged. And uh, uh, again, you know, like, like we're talking about, uh, you know, you're travelling around and, and spreading the word with music and, uh, and with chat, but also, uh, you know, Bootlegs spread the word in the sense that all of a sudden, and, and we've already talked about inaccessibility, all of a sudden you could go to your local record shop and get a copy of Baby Reconsidered on Soul Sounds or Good Time Tonight, the Soul Sisters. And, and this occasion, uh, you know, that was that was another one that was pressed up, kick that little foot. Um, Keith always denied that he supplied the records for those, but mm. uh, yeah, mm. good lad. Um, say nothing. Betty Wright and Sugar, which I absolutely don't know. Uh, didn't know that track at all, but uh, sorry, Betty Everett, not Betty Wright. Um, and those are three more records from Mr. John Murphy. So um, tell us more about what happened in Stoke-on-Trent with the scooter thing. And you said you said it was dying out for you, but um, so what maintained your interest at that time with the soul music? Where where, where were you going? Um, I was still collecting records, um, playing them for my own uh, appreciation and uh, playing them with friends and um, not playing at any clubs anywhere at then. It uh, wasn't long before I started playing them in public again, but um, I th for me, it had lost the underground scene. And w w would you say that, I mean, Torch All Nighters, um, did you, how many of them did you attend? Only a couple. Yeah, okay. I was uh, uh, attempted, well, some guys attempted to chuck me off the balcony upstairs that cured me from going for a while um and i got my finger through this guy's cheek and i said i go you go and he <laughs> he got his mates to let me go um yes yeah, so. but there was that i mean you talked you talked about i mean you went the wheel a couple of times and you talked about that you know feeling a little bit uncomfortable i think i think it was i mean everybody yeah. was older in those situations and well, um yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm 52, so I mean, 1970, I was 18, and by the time the old nurses were coming on, but just about 20. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose I was shielded from it a little bit, shielded from, you know, being being in that situation. But I mean, there, there, there was, there was a, always an edge to pretty much everywhere in the background, there was you, everywhere. even at Tiffany's. The, oh, the, yes. the, yeah. the if potential. You if you if you weren't in, got the red socks on, or <laughs> the yellow socks, or the red jumper, you know. 
You weren't one of the brothers or the clan or the gang or the mob. Well, that was it. I mean, I mean, and, uh, you know, the torch. You got the, you got the Chell side of things, and then as you say, uh, in Newcastle, it was Red Sox, and it was the um, the Del Boy coats, the sheepskins, yep. yep. and, and and all the rest of it, and and yourself. I mean, like and you say, the, <laughs> the jeans, the, the the braces, all all the rest of it. Um, well, talk talk to me a little bit about uh, about Blackpool Mecca. You know, the times you went up there. You know, whether it was on the coach or whether under your own steam. I mean. What were your feelings then? Any memories of uh, you, know, Tony? Do you have any memories of records from that period? Um, do you remember Les Kikel DJing there? I do, I do. And uh, um, Les um, was involved with a, a record shop, his his own, I think, King B. No, it, it was Les Hare. Ah, Les Hare. But, Hare, but, yeah. but, but Les, Les, Les yeah, Les, Les worked with, with Les, yeah. He did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah um, a lot of the music to me was. Uh, Brilliant, but I heard it once and bought it, so I'd got it, you know, and then I could play it the week after down at Stoke. Yeah. Um, that was the main reason for going. Uh, not that I could afford many at the time, perhaps one, two sometimes, yep. sometimes none, because they weren't on offer. But it was a, I think it was a clan method. It's just like a belonging, everybody Very needed so. to go, you know. I, th I think I think by that time I think you know we'd had the twisted wheel and and local scenes you know that you were very much involved in particularly uh, Tiffany's uh, West End and, and you know other connections as you've already discussed with Bob um, th there was an, an, an underground scene I mean you, you mentioned the Starlight which later of course went on to be the inset I remember Chris Whitting who, who had spent some time as manager at the Torch when he took over uh, at the inset he called, he changed the name of the club to Changes yes. which, after the Johnny Taylor track yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so still content's always as as it has with rock music. It's always had this connection with 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 soul music that's kind of built up. So Highland Room, do you remember Ian Levine in, in the Highland Room passing the records over in the same way that you described? Because yes. Ian wouldn't DJ at that point. Yes, I do. He was very uh, a very reluctant DJ at that point. And things have changed now. Not talking about music, but the emulsion on the ceiling used to drip on your shirt. There was that much sweat in there yeah. and condensation. Everybody dancing, yeah, fantastic. It, it, yeah, it was. It was a classic. Uh, the Highland Room was a classic low roof, and and all the speakers were actually on the dance floor, so so you could socialise around the air yeah, without yeah. Uh, you know and, and talk at a normal level. But uh, yeah, it was it was a, a phenomenal room that was then blown up for me and uh, in, in, into mega proportions after the Dave Godin article and, and, and people then starting to pay attention. So the opportunity to go back there, uh, you know, via Tom West, which mm. was involved in your life as well, uh, via Tom, you know, getting the opportunity to go back there with Keith was just an absolute dream. And mm. then mm. we had no idea whether it would succeed or not, but eventually, you know, it was very successful. And then we suffered the same fate as previous clubs, that the Wigan All-Nighter started. Yeah. And then uh, the world changes. And to give you some idea, and this is another record that I associate heavily with the torch, particularly pre-All-Nighters. Three more selections from John Murphy, with Colin Curtis and John Murphy. Four hours of soul origins here on Hitmix Radio 107.5. And I'm back here on Sunday. Playing jazz. Two till five on Sunday.
down. When the twisted wheel closed down, that gave um, the opportunity to the torch. Mm. The Friday nights at the torch had already started to become popular. Mm -hmm. uh,
Records, uh, chosen for us by John Murphy, my special guest tonight on this uh, Soul Origins, uh, looking back at the early days in Stoke-on-Trent, particularly uh, around the local clubs, and particularly the youth clubs. I mean, I, I would play uh, Watlands Youth Club, I would play in Chesterton, I would play out there, and uh, a very dangerous place, I can't remember the name of it now, but... Um, Dodging around, Nutton was another one, a regular haunt for, for that. But we, we dropped in with some instrumentals again. Green Door, which for me is a massive memory from the Torch, uh, 68 uh, style, he were Winder Cave Frog. Uh, sound, brilliant sounds of that Hammond organ that mm -hmm. we, we discussed off there. And then Billy Preston, which he used to play regularly down at Tiffany's, uh, and also got uh, beaten to death at the Golden Torch before the All-Nighters. Uh, tucked away uh, the duets, Every Beat of My Heart, which again, President, another the label, we talked about Action, we've talked about uh, other UK labels that started to champion this American sound and uh, the, the one thing they achieved was access, ac that accessibility. People could go and buy, buy these one. records. Yeah. You know, J-Boy was another massive label with yeah, uh, yeah. Free For All, Cigarette Ashes, yeah, yeah. all those classic tunes. And then you finished off with a record that I don't know this version. Uh, JB's All Stars, which is of course James Brown's boys. And uh, that was a version of Backfield in Motion, which is on the wrong side of the label, but that doesn't matter. RCA Victor. <laughs> Where was that from? No idea. Yes, second-hand shop somewhere. Second-hand shop somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Looking on here, we've got Keith Beardmore in Spain, we've got Suzanne Percent, we've got Mick Rathbone, who, who plays down at the Pop Bank. Have you played down at the Pop Bank? Yeah, a couple of times, yeah. Yeah, you enjoyed that? Yeah, great scene, yeah. Great and scene. and uh, you've got your own scene at Moorville. Yeah. When's that? Give us a few dates on that. Last Friday of every month. And uh, for anybody who doesn't know... Whereabouts in Stoke-on-Trent is Morville Hall? Oh, okay, Morville Hall's uh, at Cellarhead, uh, which is just out of Leek, um, or out of Stoke, or out of Longton, whichever you want. It's on the A52 into Leek, and uh, set back. It's a great place. So, I'd, I'd, had, you, I'd, had you come back and, and, and started DJing? I mean, we, we started to book you for Tiffany's, that'd be about, what, six, seven years ago? And you've done everyone for us, and I really appreciate that, um, because you give a flavour that I know about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but not everybody in No, in, no, in I mean, I, I, I've, got a, I've got to uh, ask people to bear with us tonight, because we're, we're playing stuff they probably haven't heard before. Uh, they perhaps aren't quite as old as I am. And um, they haven't had their eyes and ears open to this, uh, the knowledge that we're imparting tonight. But no, no it, it, it was it was definitely um, you know the, the learning process that was involved in it, and and as you say, local characters and local collectors. Uh, Keith Mitchell, of course, um, stands out. I mean, Bob Morris definitely stands out. Uh, people who people who were influenced by them as well, um, and collecting, and then we you know going on later from Stoke on Trent. Of course, you got. Huge names like you know, Tim Ashibandi and Butch, and yep. you know, the, the, the whole thing about Stoke on Trent, don't know what it is, but it, uh, it's produced some fantastic Soul on Trent. And Come on, Soul on, Soul Trent, on Trent. Trent. So Chris Burton tells me, he says he's got the copyright to that. I'm sure that won't be true, but um, it won't be a surprise either. Uh, also, in here, Janet Crow, Elizabeth Pace, who was up there, I was up there actually in uh, Newcastle Fontana last weekend playing at the Hoochie Coochie, um, and we've also got, uh, you know, 
I, I, I'm expecting that uh, some of the old Newcastle Mafia, Mr. David Evans and uh, uh, Tess Kelly are listening in as well. And um, Keith Beardmore, who now resides in Spain, doesn't he, John? Yep. 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 He's over there. It's a lot warmer over there. Glenda Morris, I know, is listening in Middlewich um, and you used to go to Nantwich. Would, would, would it have been the birdcage at, in Nantwich where you went to? Um, no, it was Nantwich Civic Hall. To the, the DJ Hall, there yeah. was uh, Soul Sam. Saw Sam back in them yeah, days. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I used to go to Whitchurch to, to listen he, to he Sam. Did, he did Whitchurch as That's well. That's right, yeah. and he was upstairs in Whitchurch. And he was. That was the first time I heard records like Wendy Renee Barbecue. Yes. And uh, you know, he, he started to get the OK records, where from, uh, who knew, but... Um, he played a lot of stuff that we hadn't heard before. That's right. You know. no, Sam, Sam was definitely... Uh, one of the guys who who, who who broke the mold and moved it on again, yeah, and uh, yeah. you know, eventually, of course, him, Pep, and myself ended up being at the Tiffany's on a Sunday night, and mm -hmm. that, that was a mixture of Blackpool Mecca, a mixture of what Sam was playing at mm. Whitchurch and what uh, Pep was playing at the Catacombs. Mm. Did you ever go to the Catacombs? Yes, I did. Any memories from there? Um. Because it, mm, uh, the catacombs depicts a club that's downstairs. It was actually upstairs. It wasn't upstairs. It wasn't downstairs. We, no. think, you know, we were we were led to believe we're driving there. Oh, do we have to go underground and all this? You know, <laughs> no. Uh, yes, uh, some quite popular records. Uh, at that time, the one that was hitting everywhere was the Sapphires. Yeah, gotta have your love. Yeah, and um, yeah, I remember it for that. You guys got in the box, and of course, um, Vavos Bolton. DJs. Yeah. Barbars, which was Richard Serling. Yeah. Um, uh, you got Alan S down there. That, that was the catwalk down at... Um, he made that into a huge tune. But what, what was also developing was the adverts in Blues and Soul were starting to include records. I mean, in the early days, it was, was your barefooting in Chinatown? It well, was your Queen of Fools? And... if you remember on, they used to advertise the records that were going to be played on the night. Yes, they'd, yes. They'd, they'd have their top ten. That's right, you know. that's right. Uh, you know, def and, and, and in a way, you know, what you're saying about losing its underground, I mean, that, that, that is part of losing its underground by giving those identities away. Yes. But, but it was also their way of, of beating the chest and saying, you know, we've got these records, we're playing these records. Absolutely. And if, if this Absolutely. is where you're at, you need to come into here. Yeah. Talking about dancing, he's been talking about you dancing up at the top rank and, uh, uh that was, I that mean, was you, you, were, you were a, a major dancer back in the day and your friend, uh, who danced... What was his name? Dave Stevenson. Dave Stevenson. Yeah, I mean, Robbie, who owns the station, mentioned Dave. Yeah, uh, yeah. A, a big memory for him. Well, I, well I won the uh, the local Mecca Championship. Yes, yes. And they sent me to London to yes. compete. Uh, and um, it was Lionel Blair and uh, the woman, that woman who used to run Pan's People, what's her name? Uh, yeah, no, I can't remember. No, but, I, but yes, I know They were the judges, yeah, along yeah. with two elderly people that were... Into rumbas and sambas. I didn't and stuff. watch pants people. That was no know, ladies no. in a state of undress. <coughs> that, yeah, well, no, you know, no. yeah, whatever. Um, was, it I, I came, was it Sarah Brightman? Was it Sarah Brightman? Yeah, it could have been yeah, Sarah Brightman. Yeah. I came sixth in the UK. I've still got me uh, number number twenty one. Brilliant. I've still got it. So, <laughs> so I mean, I mean, you mentioned it. You, 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 would you be picked out for dancing at the top rank? Because in those days, I mean, they did have. Uh, not go-go dancing cages, but rostrums and things yes, like that. Yes, uh, uh, Steele encouraged and Pete, me to go on the rostrum. Pete Warren Steele, G. Williams, was, yeah. yeah, Warren G. Williams, as he was known back then. And, and it was uh, Chris Williams, we've already mentioned. Yeah, Chris, was, wasn't, Chris Williams wasn't DJing. At uh, that time, no. He, it was a Tuesday night. I don't right, think okay. he DJed on okay. I think it was. Um, and eventually, of course, uh, 
uh, yeah, the flip around on the scene with the torch closing. I mean, uh, top rank started to become a, a, a place to go for Northern. Keith will end up yeah, playing there. Yeah, it was the International Arena Soul Club, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, International Soul <coughs> Club. Um, and of course, going back to live acts at top rank. I mean, I remember going to see the Tramps. Yep, Johnny Guitar Watson. You know, quite a few. Mm -hmm. uh, mm. <laughs> Lots of pop groups as well, like Mud and Chuadi Wadi, uh, which was part of the mixture. You know, the same way with the Heavy Steam Machine, where uh, you know one week we'd have uh, the Philadelphia. I mean, I remember introducing Three Degrees, Intruders, Billy Paul, um, and the following week it was the Bay City Rollers. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah. You know, they weren't what we'd come to know as traditional soul venues, no. without a doubt. As we continue, twenty-two eleven. So if you made it this far, you passed half time. You've had your orange, so you can uh, revamp the energy. And uh, we talked about this guy already. I know he's not in the best of health at the moment, but uh, certainly not forgotten. And uh, this goes out especially to Bob Morris.
three more choices, those were mine on this occasion. But I mean, they, they crossed over to both of us, really, because I mean, at that time, we were buying the records, and as, as John said at the top of the show, we're walking around with a 50 play record box, so <laughs> there's going to be some duplication there. And records would get played more than once in a night. Nowadays, I mean, the, the time frame on that, but I mean, back, back in the day, people would not hear those records again for another week or whatever. So, I mean, playing them two or three times also increased the popularity. Um, just just fantastic memories, fantastic times. And um, I've, I've done that. And I, I know I started off those uh, those last three um, with a record that I've completely forgotten about, but it was for Bob. It was uh, Bobby Williams, and I've only got myself to blame, on Sure Shot. And uh, I remember Bob coming down to Tiffany's on Sunday night and bringing that record to me and, and said, play this, see what you think. And uh, I loved it. I mean, it was early doors. Nobody nobody really taking, paying much attention. But he said, if you get down to Reddington's, I think they've got another two copies of that, which it took me, uh, I think, on the Monday I was down there uh, and managed to get a copy of that. And in the middle there, uh, one of my most sought-after records, we've talked about records that, that kind of attracted you to a place or, or you've got huge memories of, where, where did you hear this? I mean, call on me, Bobby Blanc for me just became the epitome uh, and, and we kicked off the show tonight with another record in that Vogue on Bukalian, uh Bud Harper's Mr. Soul and uh, for me the storytelling the delivery was just incredible uh, you know that whole R&B sound that we we you know, got to know uh, as you pointed out again you know via pirate radio via, via other sources because they weren't played uh, on mainstream radio no, at no, all no. and then to finish up there with a record that we've both <laughs> written by Barry White and that was Johnny Wyatt on President and um, we've already said what a fantastic label that was for, for you know for highlighting you know American music in this country of course uh, Barry White was involved with Love, Love Unlimited and also involved with Phyllis um, uh, Taylor of course yeah Gene Page uh, and, yeah, did Gene, all well, well Right through this show already, we've seen the Gene Page's name on, on everything. He was yeah. on earlier on, and Willie Hutch, of course, with the Fifth Dimension. Willie Hutch wrote yeah. that tune. Yeah. Uh, Willie Hutchison, as, as he, he was known back then, and uh, Gene Page was on that producing. So, I'm, I mean, you also mentioned at the top of the show how... Um, you know, you got to know that Action Records or what, whatever these labels were, it was going to be quality. Yeah. And and as well as learning about the labels, you learnt about, you know, arrangers, producers, songwriters, you would see those names and know yeah. that it was worth a punt even if you'd not... It is, to, 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 yeah. When you've bought a couple of the same label, you've got a feeling about it. It'd be, it, it's a, you'd feel as though you'd made a big mistake if there was something wrong with the record. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it wasn't. I mean, most people out there are not interest in the record label, who wrote it, who who played on it, who played bass, who played lead guitar, drums, etc. Um, there is similarity throughout a lot of the, the records that we buy, a lot of the artists, the, in, uh, the instrumental artists I'm talking about, played on lots of different re records. They're only interested in the sound, and that was me. I was only interested in the sound if it had got a good beat, and I could pick up a couple of the words, and it had got a uh, a rhyming rhythm, brilliant. And that's what most soul and, records and, do. And, and that, that's also connected to your, your passion for dancing. I mean, that, yeah. that, you know, that, that, that all them things were connected. Yes, with, absolutely. With your dancing, because, I mean, you know, I, I might take you off downstairs at Tiffany's, but then uh, you wouldn't be in the bar. You, 
you'd be dancing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was very much a part of uh, of that. I mean, interesting now, you, you know, you watch uh, these new people where everybody goes out and just stands there with a the camera and nobody dances at all, you know. I mean, oh, stand with a, with a pint of beer. At the with a pint of beer, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, another, that's another option indeed. Um, we talked about local scenes. We've got, of course, the Pop Bank. Um, I'm, I'm going to play at the Pop Bank in November, uh, along with Mr. Ashi Bandy and uh, local, local hero Doris. Okay. <laughs> who also did a bit of uh, coaching with my eldest lad on the football side so that's happening I think uh, in I think it's November the 19th um, you've got Moorville which is the last Friday in every month yep. uh, and there's other nights in, in the posters as well any, any, any you can shout out um, yes they have one or two afternoons now or evenings afternoons in the old London Road Social Club they call it the New Jollies okay um, I don't know how that's going it seems okay um there's a new one opening up in Stone, the Sanctuary. Uh, that's going to be Sundays only, I believe. Okay. Uh, Mick Rathbone's behind that, that I know of. Um, I'll, I'll go to the Amersel Club, which is a good club for people who like to hear soul music. And where's that? Stafford. That's it's Stafford. on the old okay. Evode... Uh, what I call the Bostic site. It's their their works. My my, my late brother worked for them. Uh, he, he, was, he, he went from Wedgwoods to he was headhunted to go and work for uh, for Evo. Yeah, right, he was right. thick as it was. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so so still all around here. I mean, I'm I'm in Newcastle. You still you still get some at the Catholic Club. Well, Trinity is it? Yeah, it is Trinity's. You've got Nutton Working Men's Club, Chesterton Working Men's Club. I think they've not been so popular because of the uh, the odour that's local at the moment. Yes, um, you, know, you can understand that. I can, I, yeah. I, I drive past that every day, yeah, it's just horrible. And then there's the uh, the Cosy Club that used to be the box. At and that's, a, that's Congleton, isn't it? No, it's Crew. Oh, it's Crew, is yeah, it? Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, there's a, there's, there is one at Congleton, I can't remember the place, whether it's a, the town hall or, I don't know. Uh, I know there is one there we, this we've weekend. Got, we've got another Tiffany's night coming up as well, which I'll give you full details on that after these next few records. And, um, yeah, and we're also back at All Sage. You're doing uh, another one at All Sage and Northern Soul as well later on in the year. I'll give you both on all the details for them. We continue. It's now 25 past 10 o'clock, so we've got about an hour and 35 minutes to go. Uh, we continue with more choices from John Murphy's special guest tonight. You were calling Curtis and John Murphy on Hitmix Radio 107. Point five on the Soul Train.
take out three more picks from uh, my special guest tonight, Mr. John Murphy, on this um, looking back at the early days of uh, what became the Northern Soul scene. Certainly wasn't called the Northern Soul scene for many of the years that we are dealing with. Uh, but we kicked off there with, um, well, the train came coming into the station. Rufus Thomas, of course, and the Memphis train, and uh, used to play uh, Memphis Soul Stew. We talked about that earlier. That was another classic downstairs track. Um, and then Tony Joe White, which did the rounds in the youth clubs, in the commercial soul clubs, in in, in the underground soul it clubs. Did, I mean, it, it kind of crossed all the barriers, didn't it? It, it wasn't. It was a sought-after sound for quite some time, and yeah. uh, people didn't realise who he was or what it was. You know, no. It's just American country music. Well, that's exactly what it is, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I've, I've seen on YouTube, I've seen a couple of live performances, and they're talking about, uh, you know, what it's about, the the poke salad and explaining everything, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you couldn't be more far removed than what became the Northern Souls team. But, Correct. But, again, uh, just got that combination, that... that that, that magical combination that worked and uh, and then you know a classic well torch record as well but obviously huge at Tiffany's you know and, and uh, I know a favourite of yours Nella Dodds and Comeback Baby and uh, can you remember where you first heard that? Where, where did you hear that? Where, where would you go and buy that from at the time? Or would that just be a dealer in the club? The old pussy. The old pussy let's talk about that let's talk, so now we're in Longton. We are. Um, so we're in Longton. Was that down the side of... Um, the bus station. The bus station, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. the bus station. And there was a guy, because um, obviously I played at the Magic Roundabout, Keith did the Magic Roundabout, um, place where Stuart Potts would hang out, and uh, Big Barry, Crazy Barry, who, who was a, owned his own garage mechanic, he was behind that as well. Of course, the two guys who ran the club were eventually arrested for visiting the post office with uh, an ammonia gun. Apparently, that was illegal back in the day. That was it? And, yeah. Well, well, well. Um, and they, 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 they both got holidays uh, before in three years. He, which he, I thought he was always used to dress smart with a nice suit on. Who's that? Barry. Oh, Barry, always. Uh, him and Stuart Potts were, were very much a part. And if you remember down at Tiffany's uh, back in those days, as well as the dancing competition yes. that you talked about, you'd have fashion shows. And yep. Bob Blackwood would come out, Chris Sweetie yourself. Uh, you, you you guys knew how to dress back in those days. And uh, <laughs> No, but you, it, it, it was true because, I mean... Uh, We've already said that you couldn't come at that point. You couldn't come to Tiffany's in jeans. I mean, you would go you, in. You weren't allowed in. No, no. And that was the same at. Bob you weren't Michael. allowed in without a tie. You no, could take it off once you were in. Tie, of course, became the, the big joke in uh, Blackpool Mecca because on the corner there of uh, Central Drive, the, the, there was a kind of lock and t-shirt and that, uh, kiss ties. Like that, so, and he, he, st he started putting a box of those ties with an elastic thing yeah. around the neck. Yeah, yeah. So for a quid you could put, yeah, it was a quid, it was only about a quid to get in, but you had to make a quid you know, to get a tie to get in if you've forgotten one, but uh, very much, very much a part of the dress and, and very much a part of Stoke-on-Trent culture. I know Barry and Stuart, they ventured even down to London coming back with tales of James Brown records and stuff like that and how different it was down there. Yeah. But yeah. still, you know, if you're a dancer uh, and, and, and the fashion, the two things went very much together back in the day. And, and certainly, as you've said, I mean, Thursday night's a, a bit more of a stand-up comedy night at Tiffany's, playing soul music and chatting as well. But Sundays became hugely popular. Yeah, and and yeah. you yourself, I mean, uh, we were combined as a DJ, have to do the main room as well, and also up in the Brunswick Street sometimes, mm. it was running over. I can remember playing... Invitations, what's wrong with me, baby? And then the next record would be um, the Jackson Five. Yep. Yeah. Yep. ABC. Hard oh. luck. Oh, <laughs> I, want, I want you back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but, but that was part of it, wasn't it? I mean, that, that was it. I mean, Mecca didn't necessarily see us as being specialised to the point where you couldn't help out with some I, other stuff as I, well. I remember having a, a meeting with a, a guy from Spark Records, and um, uh, he said, uh, right, this is the condition we've got with Mecca. Uh, this record's got to be played uh, at least once an hour, every hour throughout the night. Wow. He didn't realise there was three floors, so I got away with never playing one. <laughs> of course, Gene Latter was on Spark. I mean, just yes, he was. Later, yeah, Tommy, on the Tommy line, Hunt. Yeah, yes, Hunt, yeah. on the dotted line, Tommy Hunt. But um, I'm going back now to the front room in Prizewood Road in uh, in Newcastle with a friend of mine, uh, Mr. Jez Kelly, and his brother Frank were both in the room. I don't know where Tess was. I think it was probably in the house, but not necessarily in the room. Uh, but this was a record that Jed played me and absolutely blew me away.
Anglican out there and uh, again crossing over to the time of the music that John was playing as well. I mean, similar records indeed. Uh, Mick Rathbone's... Uh, no, sorry, Keith Beardmore's mentioned that uh, Arthur Boff uh, has just mentioned the Magic Roundabout in Burslem. Yeah, the Magic Roundabout, pretty short-lived affair, uh, but very exciting and uh, all-nighters as well, uh, where you got a breakfast as well. The whole thing for two and six. My goodness, you can get that nowadays. And uh, Jeff Smith, who, who played El Pussy, uh, and he, he used to be a regular there and uh, Lonnie, we've talked about the legend of Lonnie. Yeah, Lonnie the first time I met Lonnie was in the kitchen there and I was holding a copy of the American Poets She Blew a Good Thing what's that? <laughs> you know, and, but I mean his, you know, his knowledge and his um, influence on Stoke on Trent was absolutely huge as well yes. and uh, of course his record shop came later uh, Sam Nesbitt kicked us off with those three and that was Black Mother Goose and as uh, Mix already said the brilliant version, female version of that by uh, Patrice Holloway on Capital um, but that was big memory for me and I know nowadays it's the other side as it chased the clouds away um, which is an incredible soul record but just never got any club spins back in the day um, you know, much more of a slow tempo um, and then John and I both agree. I'm mean, a big record for John as well. Timmy Willis and Mr. Soul Satisfaction uh, just got a fantastic title, and it was almost like, almost like a dream back in the day that these titles fitted the situation we oh, were yeah, in, yeah. and a lot of the records carried a message socially about the situation we were in uh, in in late sixties and early seventies uh, UK. Um, and finishing up there with another connection with Woolworths uh, on the Phillips label, and that was the Millionaires. And never for me, John just uh, adding that that doesn't get the plays it should nowadays and uh, you're absolutely right I mean there's absolutely nothing wrong but it still sounds absolutely fantastic after all these years and some of the emphasis um, not all of the emphasis not all of these years but some of the emphasis gone has gone towards value of records that have been played as opposed to the, you know, has, yeah. the musical content yeah you must you must dance to this it's worth an amount of money you know rubbish it, yeah yeah it is rubbish because <laughs> because uh, again it, it wasn't it wasn't particularly the money of course yeah you've got to find the money back in the day but um it, it wasn't that it was the connection with the music you wanted to own the music and yeah, it, yeah. it was it was lack of accessibility that stopped you initially and then that grew more and more as we've already discussed with record lists and dealers um and you know people beginning to start trips over to america as well and uh, that was three for me we've got three more coming up from john and then we'll uh, touch on some other things uh keep you live in stoke on trent and uh i'm trying to think of, of, of you know, i mean you've got el pussy and longton uh fenton can you remember anything ever happening in fenton no I no not any music that i, I know now that they're doing northern soul i think in fenton uh, town hall uh which i think is connected to the courts if memory serves me right but um yeah, uh, they just started one again but it's yeah, and we went out to Nantwich, I mean, the Torch Revival there as well, um, yeah. Nantwich Civic. Um, of course, Tiffany's now, sadly, is no more. That, that, for me, that's a, a massive blow, historically, to take down a building like that. And, uh, yeah, how, the, how, how that's got to that situation, I really don't know, because um, there's going to be shops, which would have been a nice uh, memory to the building. But, I mean, that, that was an iconic building for, for, well, for both our lives. Yeah, yeah. The whole of our lives. And, you know, just disappointing that it's not there anymore as you come down over the hill and it's just not there. All you, can, all you can read is Lin, Lin Pack Peas. Lin Pack Peas, which, yeah. Yeah, which is nice to find that. In, in a can or a packet. Yeah, a <laughs> <laughs> it was nice to find that big advert. It survived, you know, because of the way it was protected by, by the Tiffany's building. But yeah, I mean, some fantastic memories. We've talked about some of them tonight and we'll, we'll continue. Uh, three more picks coming your way from John and uh, Al Wilson. And no, it's not that track.
you've got to do it, Mr. Curtis. Six minutes after 11 o'clock. Um, five records in a row there. I'm going over here because this is live radio and I'm three and a half hours in. I need some something to drink, something to eat, and that's going to happen at 12 o'clock. Um, but I'm going to fill you in on one of the gigs I mentioned, and that's uh, Freestyling Promotions. And we've had to move venues for reasons that if you live locally, you already know about. Uh, but this is Saturday, the 14th of October, 2023, 6 p.m. till 1 a.m. at All Sages Civic. If you like some of the music uh, that you've heard tonight, you certainly, John, will be playing some of it that night, and the rest of us as well. I mean, this is a Tiffany's report. Bible. It's Colin Curtis, Soul Sam, John Murphy, Pep, Tim Bendy, Nigel Brown and Barry Malidi coming down uh, with equipment as well. So that is Saturday the 14th of October. You can get tickets um, directly uh, from Janet Crow or Jeffrey Leach or from John Murphy himself or Suzanne Pacente. Um, or if you hit me up on Facebook, I'll certainly put you in that direction. And that is coming up on Saturday the 14th of October. Stick that in your diary. And that, uh, that's from 6 to 1 at All Sage at Civic Hall. And um, John's night is uh, bangs around on the last Friday of every month and uh, built up and built up and built up and now he's got something that is uh, very much a part of the scene in Stoke Content nowadays. Uh, we kicked off there with Al Wilson and on the B-side of the Soul City single, The Snake, that was of course Now I Know What Love Is, um, which, what did I say, it's, uh, it's almost the same riff as um, an old Supremes record, yeah. but um, sounding very, very good indeed. Is that getting plays now? No, 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 no. Secrets. One garage, it's underground. <laughs> Secret from the garage. And then we had JJ Jackson. I mean, a big tune for me by JJ, of course, was But It's All Right back in the Torch days and uh, even Tiffany's days. But it was, this was also that same period. And that was shown off, got a good thing going. And uh, again, on UK Warner Brothers and sounding absolutely bang on arrangement, production and sound off the record. Um, and then we dropped him in a record that I don't know on Cameo Parkway. Uh, Bobby Martian and there's something about my baby but we played the other side. Everything a poor man needs which sounds absolutely brilliant. And uh, written by Clarence Reed out of Miami. Uh, Blowfly, if anybody knows that much about Clarence. Uh, made some fantastic records with Lattimore as well. Brilliant, brilliant uh, artist. I'm going to have to chase that as well. John's costing me money tonight. Right. Um, and then a torch classic for me. And uh, did you play this down much at Tiffany's and Shortcuts? No, no, never played it. Uh, no, it was it, definitely for me the first time I heard it. In fact, uh, this is on Pepper, which of course the same label. What was the other record we used to play at the Torch on Pepper? Um, can't remember. Uh, I will remember. It was a huge record and still gets placed today. The Shortcuts and Your Eyes May Shine, uh, which again, another record that's got absolutely everything and uh, very reminiscent of that sort of Moses and Joshua feel. Mm -hmm. And then we went on to uh, a record that you're definitely going to cost me money on getting this. Produced by Jack Daniels. It doesn't get any more drunk than that. No, no. It's just about as, as drunk as it gets. Bobby Martin and Tom Bell. Um, absolute geniuses uh, right the way through. Of course, recently lost Tom Bell. That's on Blue Rock Records, and that was another Woolworths connection. That was Keanu Collins. With Probably. With It Ain't No Secret. And then uh, another Torch Classic, Pre-All-Nighters, and he got a few spins in the early All-Nighters. Uh, Margie Joseph, big record that both Keith and myself liked, and I know you do. Uh, that's Restless by jo Margie Joseph. And running through all that, and, and you know, there was a particular sound back then. There was a sound that, that, that drew you in. I mean, the arrangements we talked about, because um, we saw the, the, you know, the arrangement on Keanu Collins, which, which featured uh, the one and only Charles Stepney, was it? Or was Charles Stepney on the other one? I can't remember. Mm. 
Um, but you've got, you know, this guy went on to, you know, to arrange and produce for Earth, Wind and & Fire, and it was Charles Stephanie on Ain't No Secret, yeah, on, on Blue Rock. Just incredible connections. I know, you know, we've talked tonight about, you know, not connecting uh, necessarily, people just wanting to come and listen to music, but then over the years we have learned more, you do, you do. And, and, and you yeah, do... Yeah. You do find uh, either labels or arrangers or artists that uh, that fit the bill right the way across the board. So you're getting fed up now in Stoke-on-Trent. You you you're getting a bit disillusioned with the scene. What would this be, John? About 1973? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving on, yes, definitely. And 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 so you, 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 <coughs> would that be the time when you you're looking to get married and 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 just change your approach to it all? Uh, for me, uh, yes, it was uh, less committal. I couldn't. I couldn't make that commitment. I'd got to go to work every day and earn some money to pay the mortgage, and you know. So change that. So so getting back into it in, in in recent years. When did you start getting back into it? When did you start recounting uh, some of the records? Ooh, about twelve years ago. Okay. Um, started. Well, I've always been in it. Yeah. But no, I appreciate uh, that. I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm. But being in it and focused and in it and able to do about, it. About you know? twelve years. About twelve yeah, years. Yeah. And and you 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 had then what? go back through all your records and then what start making a list of records that you wanted to chase back yes yes and uh, um, I've got to say uh, I've been collecting records since I was 14 and I've well how, how, I've, how old are you now because I mean I'm in, old in, in 1968 um, which was when I came to Tiffany's was, I was 16 in the December of that year so were you were you 16, 18, 17, 19 back then? I was uh, 18, 68, 18, 18, yeah. Yeah, so a couple of years older than me. Um, but that for me was just, just, just a magical time. And, and you know, when, when you look back at it now and... Uh, it was something to live for. Definitely. It was, you know... Definitely. And, you know, it, those, those I, I wrote a little note earlier, if you don't mind me saying this. Um, I would say at the time of the mid-late 60s that we were all sn soul snobs or purists... The speed of the song was most important for those whose energy was enhanced or those that were simply intoxicated by three minutes of sound, giving them complete escapism. To have a round disc of vinyl in your hand was like having a priceless treasure. The power of playing a sound for the first time and the anticipation of your like-minded audience appreciation. That, yeah, that, that, them are the rules of DJing for me even now, even in, you know, whether I'm playing jazz funk, whether I'm playing house music, whether I'm playing soul music, whatever it is. Um, you know, jazz dance, which is you're very much a vinyl-based scene as well. I mean, for me, that is it. That, that reaction, which years ago, um, you know, I, I was given opportunities to do radio and I, I didn't want to do radio because I, I couldn't see that connection. I couldn't see that person reacting. I, I, you know, it, that was a first-hand reaction yes, and you're yes. right. It, it it was a rawness, and it was definitely part of that belonging thing that we that, that we've mentioned more than once on tonight's show. Um, so more of that, more of the music, and uh, let's have a little bit more instrumental.
bit more from the vault. 2322, which means we've got about um, 48 minutes to go. No, 38 minutes to go. Uh, I went to grammar school and I still can't uh, do uh, take away, but we did it eventually. Uh, we kicked off there with another brilliant instrumental from back in the day. Um, we get spins down at Tiffany's. Also uh, huge at the torch at the all-nighters, and that was, of course, Alda Laurie and Thummer Ride. Uh, then we moved on to another torch classic again. Pre-all-nighters mainly got a few spins in the early ones. Uh, Maxine Brown with an absolute piece of class and one in a million and then we finish up with a record I've already said uh, was the first record I had in my hand when I, when I met the legendary Lonnie from Stoke-on-Trent standing in the kitchen at the Magic Roundabout in Burslem and uh, looking on here um, one of the El Pussy DJs Anthony Jones sold me Baby Help Me Percy Sledge well we'll give that one a spin for you Keith and uh, you know just as a reminder um, Five Bob my goodness so, so you walked home I guess uh, a dodgy place in Longton I can't believe you're saying that about Longton it's it's a shining yeah. light of the part I can't believe it John, I can't, you? The, the south no. part of the city <laughs> I thought you said the south part of the city. The south part of the city, yeah. yeah. It's, it's almost as popular as the West End, where, where Bob used to turn up with with weapons as well as records, <laughs> just so he'd get through the night. Um, well, we got, um, as I say, about 37 minutes uh, to play, and we're going to go out on all John's uh, choices uh, between now and the end of the night. So I'm going to kick off with this one, which was definitely a theme tune for John. Uh, and became a theme tune and anthem and still is to this day. Uh, we recently lost this guy who was an absolute phenomena across all the musical denominations. And another guy who was part of the chess setup that brought through people like Charles Stepney, um, who was also involved, of course, in Joy Love Juice in Orbit. But this, the incredible, the one and only, Mr. Ramsey Luce. And he's played for Ross and Maria all the way in Italy. They go Italia. Point. 
again, me talking in the background. That's the kind of thing I do uh, when I'm live on radio. Don't forget, I'm back here on Sunday with Jazz, Dance and Fusion. That's between 2 and 5 o'clock. But here tonight with my special guest, uh, John Murphy, and four more from him. Kicked off with Ramsey Lewis, and you said that that was your theme tune. I mean, yeah. that was something that That's you just me. Always forever. Play. Yeah. And, and it's a forever record, isn't it? It's absolutely a forever record. And uh, I was telling off air, talking with John, I mentioned it before, you know, Keith Mitchell, when he got the vocals to that and played it about three times straight in the torch on a Friday night uh, when he first got it. Then we went to uh, Nancy Ames. I don't want to talk about it. Nice record. Again, uh, a kind of in-between record. What, what we've done tonight is try to feature... Uh, the sound and the feel of, of what was going on between mm, sort of, yeah, you yeah. know the sixties, late sixties, and and very early seventies, and then we moved on to a record that Keith says he bought dodgily in, in Moncton. <laughs> uh, Percy Sledge and um, Baby Help Me, which still sounds absolutely superb today. Yep, yep. And uh, then you finish with one there that's blown me away again, which I'm absolutely I've actually owned that record and never listened to it properly until tonight. I'll be totally honest, and that was the ethics which you say was connected with the catacombs. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. Can you remember any of the DJ names? Or was that a pe when you were going the catacombs? Was that just a period when the DJs were on? You were just there for the music. Yeah, right? just there for the music. Um, and and I, I think I'm, I must admit, Pep may have been there. Yeah. Um, was in his younger day, he was quite outstanding looking. He, he was, you know, swarthy and nice and smart. Yes, he was always smart. I mean, yeah. in, in fact, he was in Cravatland when he actually <laughs> started to come to Tiffany's as resident. Yeah, uh, but he was. I mean, um, Helen, his his uh, late wife, of course, he used to make sure he he, he looked right. But um, yeah, I mean, Alan S. Graham War. Um, you know, Graham Moore, who's prolific, uh, had a prolific period of finding records, things like Blow My Mind to Pieces and Epitome of Sound, You Don't Love Me. I mean, mm -hmm. all those famous trips uh, over to the States. He was one of the uh, early pioneers, along with uh, John Anderson and Ian Levine himself. But, um, you know, going back to that time and... and, and, and that that was a that was a change in sound. I mean, what we've tried to emphasise tonight is the sound that all that was built on. Really, yes. I mean, you, know, the, you know those those years that you've talked about. Um, you know, sixty eight and sixty nine, um, and then you know by nineteen seventy seventy one, things were changing in Stoke on Trent. I mean, Interplay were you know were coming other clubs. Interplay were were coming. You know, I mean, even the Heavy Steam Machine at that time, which which would have been about seventy two seventy three. Yeah. Um, some some major acts coming there. As well, I mean, we've always been able to bring in some absolutely fantastic acts. I mean, Billy Preston uh, was live at Tiffany's on a Tuesday night. I remember seeing Johnny Johnson and the bandwagon at Trentham Gardens uh, pool when they had a swimming pool. Up the yes. Back. And they were all put on by the place, if I remember yes, rightly. Were, yeah. I mean, that was Mel Skulls' days. It was, and, and he uh, used to do a diving exhibition because he was. That's right. He, diving, he was. He, yeah, he was a reserve in the Olympic team, wasn't yeah, he? I mean, yeah. he was. Yeah, very much a part of that. And of course, the place had a, had a big following anyway. And my. Uh, my late uncle used to drive that train for, he did a couple of years driving the miniature train all the way down wow. there, which they ought to bring back because I, mean, I <laughs> that was, <laughs> I, I had my wedding reception at Trentham Gardens and I, you know, that whole building that we've discussed oh, where, where, where Bob was, you know, going building. in the main hall down the right and as you say, up that ramp and then round the corner. Yeah. Uh, tucked away. I only went two or three times. I remember you being there. I remember, you know, Bob, obviously. Um, but, yeah, Chantham Gardens is, is, is a big loss because, I mean, we came back 
Oh, might, might be 20 years ago now and, and, and did some gigs there in, I, I, in the, I, I in the Roman I think if you were room. still there, that would be the biggest venue in Staffordshire now. I think you're right. And a very, very popular I th one. I think you're right. I think in terms of Northern Soul, and um, because they've got the other rooms as well, you could have combined an event. Yeah, there. I would yeah. have been happy to promote an event there, two yeah. or three room event. Yes. Uh, because you've got the room upstairs, you've got the Roman room. Uh, um, uh, you know, not so much uh, used the room you were originally in, but I mean, that was, you know, very much a part of, of, of building up what was going on. Yeah. Now, this next record that you've chosen is a record that, you know, it, it hit the headlines in Blues and Soul, it hit the headlines everywhere. I mean, and I think this was about the third record I heard the first time I went to uh, Blackpool Mecca uh, and definitely brought back some stunning memories. And again, this is absolute class. 2339, you with Colin Curtis. John Murphy.
grace neither. Never played grace. No. I know. And we can talk and the record's still playing doesn't really matter. Um, four, was that four or five, John? I mean, we kicked off I with um, I, one two, right back to Blackpool, make it for me. I mean, Denise LaSalle. Yeah. Um, and it wouldn't have been on that label when you first bought it. Because I didn't know, I didn't know about it that was. label. Too. I've what? had that, I've had that from... That's I incredible. Bought I bought it in, um... On top California. Wow. From a second-hand shop. In the 70s? Yeah, I drove down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, no. From, yeah, 75. From, from Biddulf. <laughs> <laughs> drove from San Francisco. And down the west coast. The second record that you just played, um, Bobby Womack, uh, what is this? I mean, I, I bought that record because you played it back at the Tiffany's in those days. And like you say, we were playing out a box of about 30, 40 records, but I mean that, and uh, I think it was the Charles Wright and the 100 and whatever street band you played. Yeah, you, you, Charlie. You know, absolutely brilliant. Um, and then we moved on there with Spencer Davis, and that was a B-side of Somebody Help Me. Was that, I don't remember, was that the B-side in the UK? On, yes. the, on the green light on yeah. United Artists. And uh, again, that Hammond organ sound that, that was very much a part of that, that late 60s. It's you know. the Georgie Fame era, you know. Yeah, the, that, that, you know, the Windy Cave Frogs, yeah. the Billy Prestons we've talked about, we've very much fitted the ethos of the torch. Uh, Can't Shake It Loose on Golden World and so many great records on Golden World records, of course, and uh, that was Pat Lewis and uh, sounding superb, apart from the fact it's styrene and crackles a little bit. Yeah. And then a record I've never heard before in my life, Teeny Weeny Little Bit from Benny King on Echo. Very nicely put together and uh, sounding absolutely superb. And uh, John Murphy, thank you very much for coming in. You've been absolutely brilliant. And thank you I'll, for the opportunity. It's I know, been brilliant. You, you, maybe we'll do it again. Maybe we'll do it again next year. Why not? We'll do the 70s um, next time. Yeah, well, whatever. But, I mean, there's plenty that we haven't played tonight that we can we can half and half it, if you will. Yeah. 60s and 70s. But, I mean, uh, and I'll thank you live uh, for being an inspiration to me back in the day uh, and very much a part of uh, the beginning for me. Um, you know, I, you know that that sixty eight, sixty nine period for me. You know, I'm get, not kissing you again. No, get, get, <laughs> you know, but getting you know getting banned for two weeks by Ernie Shaw for coming late from the cricket, whatever it was. Um, but you you were stoical. You were there. You just you and just playing the music that you believed in. And here you are, uh, 144 years later. That's true. Along with me, no, 143. Doing, <laughs> doing exactly the same thing. So as I say, you can catch me on Sunday. Tiffany's uh, at All Sager is. Saturday, October, was it October the 14th? I mean, Janet will tell me off. Um, but uh, if, if you hit me up on Facebook, yeah, I'll give you all the correct details. And as I say, I'll be back here. Um, I do have a special, I think, uh, next month. Uh, today is May, I think June. Can't remember who it is, but I'll, I'll let you know on Sunday. But I've got a special uh, Friday night again coming up in June. So that'll be about four weeks tonight. Everybody who's been in chat, from Keith to Suzanne to Janet, Mick, um, and, and a late comedy, Mr. Graham, Judy Judson. Yes, you right, Graeme. Uh, Pan's people uh, did do Wade in the Water on top of the Pops and, uh, yeah, because Ramsey wouldn't do it, so... And yeah, he couldn't, couldn't get, get them tights on. That Mick Rathbone, and I'll be working for him. He couldn't get them tights on, the Mick Rathbone, does he wear tights? No, no, not Mick. No. <laughs> Ramsey. Trouble and times are over. They are indeed. Big shout out to John Murphy, thank you very much for coming in tonight. Four hours of music. Reflecting on what was going on between 1968 and about 1971-72. Early days of what became the Northern Soul scene. Have a great week if you're not going to catch me on Sunday. Remember.
Summer Hit Mix Radio 107.5. 